Hi, everybody, and welcome to Unified, a podcast feed from First Church Belmont Unitarian Universalist. We'll be sharing sermons and stories, especially thematic content made new every week. We're so glad you're here, and for more information about who we are and opportunities to grow and deepen, swing by the church on Sundays or check out our website at uubelmont.org. And for now, enjoy this new content. Right here, from where we are, there is a gift we can give the world. Right here, from these lives lived in this location, we can say yes to this complex moment before us. We can show up when called and do the work of building a new way. Before I tell you a little bit about Victor and Kathy Carpenter, before we learn from their story, I want to share these words which were just shared with me a little while ago by Valerie Kaur. She writes, Our most powerful response to the horror in Israel and Palestine is to refuse to surrender our humanity. You will be told by some the deaths of Israeli children are unfortunate but inevitable because Israel's occupation of Palestine is brutal and wrong. You will be told by others the deaths of Palestinian children are unfortunate but inevitable because it is the only way to keep Israel safe from terror and Hamas brought this on its own people. You will hear our aggression is the only response to their aggression, our fear more justified than their fear, our grief more devastating than theirs ever will be. But, oh, my love, the hierarchy of pain is the old way. The moment we allow our hearts to go numb is the moment we shut down our humanity. She continues, I don't know the solution to the conflict in Israel and Palestine, but I do know the starting point, to grieve their children as our children. It's the only way to break the cycle. To my loved ones who are Israeli, Jewish, and Palestinian, I see your searing pain. I love you and grieve with you and am reciting my ancestors' prayers as you search for your families and bear the unbearable. May love find you through the impossible. And to everyone else, if you cannot look at the images, it's okay. Step away. Be with the earth. Go to the trees. Let them breathe through you. Remember that you do not need to do all the things, just the one that's yours to do. If you want to help but don't know how, begin in relationship. Who in your life is hurting from this? Offer to walk with them, listen to them. There's no fixing grief, only bearing it together. Only then do we know what to do next. If you're falling apart, your breathlessness is not a sign of your weakness, but of your strength, of how deeply you feel the horror, how deeply you care. 
you still feel, and that matters in a world that wants us to feel nothing. Open our hearts to grief, others and our own, is how we hold our humanity in a world that would destroy it. It's how we will begin to survive this. I love meeting with you all. Not so much in meeting meetings, though I love our meetings. More particularly, what I mean is I love meeting one-on-one -on -one with you. I love getting to know you, learning about your lives, learning how you have become yourselves, learning about who you are and most deeply long to be and become. It is one of the most enjoyable parts of my job. And so it was that I went to the home of Kathy Carpenter, who was here for many years along with her husband, Victor Carpenter, who served this church just a few ministers ago, whose feet stood precisely here. Again, if you have never heard, there's actual footprints here. Sometime come up to the pulpit and check them out. So every time I stand here before you, every time we all stand here before you, we stand literally in the footprints of all those who have come before. And so, I especially love visiting her and hearing her stories. There's some very good stories, both about Victor and his ministry, about their lives, about their time here in Belmont, but especially for us today about their time in South Africa. Over and over, they took in the reality they faced and got to work in their family, in their community, and especially in the wider world. They knew deep down, like in the reading before, that they were each one cell in the larger body of humankind. And while they could not do it all, that there was something that was theirs to do. And this is such a beautiful teaching to me here today. At one point, Victor and Kathy were in the suburbs. Churches were calling, as they sometimes do, asking if he might consider leaving. And at one point, he said out loud, which is always a bit of a red flag when you say these things out loud, that he would only leave to go to South Africa. There was one larger church there and two little fellowships and one minister who served them all. And at the time, the post had just been filled, or so they thought, but they soon found out that that minister decided not to go. And so Victor came to Kathy and asked if she really would go. And she said yes, and they were off. Now, to paint the picture a little more clearly, apartheid was present, but the atrocities were just getting going. And more difficult to imagine in some ways, especially for some of us, this was in an entirely different world of communication and information in which news traveled slowly. And so the extent of the evils and oppression of apartheid, there was no way they could have fully known. They left to serve the communities there with one child, and while they were there, had two others. And while they were there, they could see firsthand the racism and oppression. The communities that they went to serve had Afrikaners and expatriates of a wide range of political leanings. And as you do, 
They landed and got to know the communities, and as they deepened their relationships, they were soon invited to join in the anti-apartheid resistance movements. Because he traveled to two fellowships up north, Victor was identified as a helpful ally to bring both messages and money to the resistance up there. All the phones were tapped in these days, and so messages were memorized and delivered in person. Crucial monies strapped on underneath clothes. One of my favorite stories was years later, upon returning to South Africa in the 80s, as the conditions had escalated to truly horrific, Victor and Kathy were involved in the International Defense Aid Fund, which sent money with Victor to help win the resistance. He first traveled to London with the money strapped to himself on his body, very uncomfortable, and in London bought a pile of ballet shoes. One of their daughters danced ballet, and the shoes were way less expensive there. So he had a suitcase full of girls' pink ballet point shoes, and the money uncomfortable, so he had an idea. And he traveled from London to Johannesburg with the money rolled up and stuffed in the ballet shoes. And at customs entering into South Africa, the officer was surprised to see an older man with a suitcase full of girls' ballet shoes. And let us remember being discovered bringing money internationally to support anti-apartheid efforts would have landed him in jail. So it makes what is about to happen even more miraculous. The customs officer is perplexed and takes one of the ballet shoes out to look at it and asks why Victor has them. And he leans in and says, I smell them. <laughs> I smell them. <laughs> to which perplexed and disgusted the officer then closes the suitcase without further exploration and sends Victor and the crucial transforming money through. It's hard to imagine the courage it must have taken. I just recently asked Kathy where she and Victor found the courage, what helped them find it, and she said, it just comes, which I think is so beautiful. It just comes when you say yes to the circumstances before you, when you know who you are and why you are there. Kathy found the courage there in South Africa over and over. There was an organization called the Black Sash, which is one of my favorite things ever. It was an organization of white women, many of whom were wives of influential men in South Africa, and they organized themselves to show up in coordinated nonviolent resistance. They would arrive all dressed up, each with a black sash on, and they would stand in protest. From 1955 to 1990, the black sash was one of just two consistent, vocal, white opposition forces against apartheid. In addition to the public protest, they also had advice offices for non-white South Africans to help them learn about their rights and ways to resist the oppressive regime. Kathy volunteered in one of those offices and participated in the Black Sash while she was there. She told me of their training, how they would stand arm's length from one another, 
how they would keep their gaze fixed and raised no matter what was being screamed at them, no matter what was being threatened. But I think the most beautiful resistance, the most inspiring gift to me was when they created the Society for Children with Autism. When they discovered that one of their children was autistic, there was no support in South Africa. Like here in the States long ago, there was little coordinated support and even a destructive culture and practice of blaming the mother for the child's autism. So they created resources and connected families. They created something where there was nothing, both for their family and so many others. And when they left, it continued and continues to this day as a school. In fact, the opening of the school was the reason Victor headed back to South Africa with the ballet shoes. Over and over, they served. They met the moment before them and served the unfolding of freedom and love. They were undaunted and undeterred, and their lives were, and for Kathy, are a blessing. I'm so grateful to announce that we will be commemorating Victor's ministry by dedicating a pew to him in the Unitarian Universalist Urban Ministry, which he loved and was woven with as well. The Urban Ministry used to be housed far away from its current location. While its mission was similar, it was not proximal to the people that it sought to serve. Victor was close then with John Hickey, the director, and leaned on him, as many of you can imagine if you knew him, leaned on him to sell the building and move to Roxbury to be closer to the people, and they did. And the modern version of the urban ministry started to grow and deepen its roots, which is now flourishing under the guidance of Mary Margaret Earle and her incredible team. We've raised the money to dedicate the pew, but if you'd like to add to the donations we'll be sending in his honor, just let me know. Facing this moment we are facing, with this unspeakable violence erupting, with the deep divisions here in this country, with the rampant suffering of our youth and so many, what is yours to be and become? Just like Victor and Kathy, from right where you are with precisely these lives, there is some piece of the solution which is yours to birth into being. I'm so grateful for these stories and so many more. So grateful for this heritage which holds us and shapes us. Remember, when I asked Kathy where she found courage, and she said, it just comes. I think the same is true for me, not always, I will say, but when it does come, it comes in part because of them, because of those black sashes and those ballet shoes, because of them saying yes in the first place and traveling so far to serve, because of them and so many others who have over and over without accolades or applause done what needs to be done. When courage comes, it is a recognition, the manifestation of this one truth that we are one cell in this impossibly vast body connected to all. And in the words of Valerie Kaur a while ago, 
we do not need to do all the things, just the one that's ours to do. Amen.